This is Trainer Nick from TrainerNick.com. In the studio today with Stan Fisher to record Trainer Nick's first radio podcast. I hope you enjoy the ride, but most of all, I hope that we learn something together. Well, if you're teaching us, we probably won't learn that much. Oh, we're going to learn a lot, Stan. We're Actually, I'm just kidding. You taught me a lot. Last year, Trainer Nick came came into my life because I needed someone to train me for the 2011 Marine Corps Marathon, and I was a fat slob. I'm still partially fat, but not That's as good. Fat this before. isn't about you. Quiet down, Stan. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about your plan, your goals. We're going to talk about exercise. My plan? We're going to talk about community farms. Everyone except Stan. We shut up, Stan. Okay, I'll shut up. <laughs> you said my plan. I thought you were talking to me. So you mean the people listening. That's right. The people so listen. you're going to give basics of stuff for them to attach themselves to so they can learn something different to change the momentum in their life. I don't know what you just said. We're going to talk about community farms, <laughs> exercise, your goals, your plans, and being the person that you imagine you can be. Farms? Why would we talk to farms? Community farms. You know, I don't think anything starts out with a bad premise, but I think we've kind of gotten away with these mass-produced animals. We've gotten away from nature, and we are affecting the planet and the humans on it in a negative fashion. Instead of giving the attention to that negative process, we're going to give your community farms that are trying to do things organic and humane and make you a healthier person all the positive attention they need. Which farm did you go to this past week? This week we went to the White Oak Pastures, Georgia's largest community farm. Oh, wow. Thousand acres big. Animals are running around, all natural. Grass is growing everywhere. It's beautiful. Composting everything. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful facility. What do they specialize in in particular as to why you went there? White Oak Pastures is unique because it's the largest, and oh, it's oh. everywhere. We can find it in grocery stores, uh, Whole Foods, Publix in Georgia. You can find it everywhere. I really want to see. These people are saying it's grass-fed, but it's in the major corporate uh, grocery stores. And you know my conspiracy theory friends, they have these problems with the big corporations, but... It's not the corporation, it's the way we farm. We went down to check out what they're doing to make positive momentum in our grocery stores. Do they deserve the Trainer Nick stamp of approval? So after diet, what happens next? Exercise. And do you have like a legit plan for different people or one plan? How do, how do you approach that? With exercise, uh, I look at it as we are another mammal on this planet. We are biomechanically designed to move in a certain way. And we're going to stick to that plan and keep things as natural as possible. That plan is functional training. It's Trainer Nick's style of training, functional training. Functional training is the movements the body was biomechanically made to do in everyday life. The human body, we've been here for a long time. It was made to pick things up, to think, to make a plan, to get to a certain goal, move around. All the muscles, all the joints, the brain, everything works together. There's a, what's called a kinetic chain. Any more questions you interrupt me again, Stan? No, I'm good. I was just going to say that, you know, that's great. Yeah, unfortunately, the habits that have made us powerful and, and very prosperous are the same habits that are negatively affecting our bodies. The human body was not created to sit in a chair for hours, staring at a computer and things like that. And any movement done repeatedly without variance will have negative effects. And so what you're saying is when you have the right diet, the right physical plan, physically, you know, your workout you're looking at a full picture of a whole lifestyle change. Is that correct? That's right. And it's very simple. I'm going to break it down to uh, just five things. Imagine, plan, practice, achieve, and share. This is Trainer Radio Podcast.
TrainerNick.com in the studio with Stan Fisher recording Trainer Nick's first radio podcast. I like this song. You like that song? That's the endangered species, dude. Their lyrics are talking exactly the same way we're talking here, dude. And earlier we were talking about industrial farming and why when we go to the grocery store, why it's so hard to decipher between grass-fed and organic, and, and are we getting the right types of foods? Right, because you, you've you taught me through the training that we've done together that the right types of foods is the foundation for a lifestyle change and a healthier lifestyle. Absolutely. These hormones and antibiotics, all these pesticides, we have so many different like free radicals and things that are causing cancer, things that kind of just make you a, a bloated person, even though you're eating the right things. They've been injected with sodium and all these different types of things. So we want to find the organic, most natural foods, as if you just went in your backyard, picked one of your chickens up, and now you're having dinner. You know, when you go to the local grocery store, there's there's marketing, okay? We're all kind of bamboozled by the different marketing. Some of them say organic, but it doesn't really mean organic. And there's all kinds of articles on how to figure that out. And it gets real confusing. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go down to the community farm. I'm going to look at it myself, give it trainer next stamp of approval, and I'm going to tell you where to find it. So you're cutting out the middleman. Absolutely. Cutting out the middleman in the marketing. This week, we went down to White Oak Pastures, the largest farm in Georgia. I talked to Mr. Harris and his daughter, Jenny. His daughter's cute, too. Talk about the farmer's daughter, brother. His daughter's kind of cute. You know, she's got what a real... What was she wearing? She had jeans on, of course. It's a farm, farmer's daughter, mm. but, you know, it was it was her mind. You know, she's just so focused. She knows what she wants. She knows uh, she knows what's going on with this farm. It's hot. So uh, we went down... I'm speechless. <laughs> They're making some serious changes to get away from industrial farming. Apparently, Mr. Harris had been an industrial farmer before, and now he's teaching his next generations uh, the opposite of that because uh, now he's done both worlds. Well, he's been educated. Yeah, and he, know, he knows what he wants to do now. It's awesome. And his daughter, man, she is locked on. So check it out. This is what he had to say. I'm the fourth generation of my family to raise cattle on this farm. My daughter's the fifth. And when my great-grandfather came here in 1866, he raised livestock, not just cattle, but livestock. And he did it in a manner that was very humane and sustainable. Because that was before we had uh, pesticides and GMOs, sub-therapeutic antibiotics, hormone implants. Uh, It was before confinement feeding of grain and soy. It was before monocultural practices. You know, the the whole uh, industrialization of agriculture has been to make it very uh, linear, uh, reductionist science. These things were done to make food production cheap and consistent at the cash register. And I think that in doing that, it came at a great cost to the uh, environment and to the welfare of the animal. You know, we uh, have 75 employees and we distribute our poultry and beef and lamb from uh, Miami, Florida to Princeton, New Jersey. There is a growing number of people focused on eating food that's raised properly. He, he just knew what was up. He knew he knew everything about it. He was saying words I never even heard before. He knew every technical term. Look, I like to eat the food. I'm just going to find out what I'm supposed to eat. And I learned so many things. He started talking about what humane means to him. I didn't even think about humane. I'm just thinking organic. You know, I'm a former Marine. Let's go Let's go out there, get a cow, chop that head off, and eat. Well, that's what humane se- seems to be to me is the, the treatment of animals. That's right. That's right. He, explain, he's, he explains as well. These guys have a different view. Oh. It goes real deep into humane. Check this out. In the industrial model, the humane treatment of animals has come to mean 
that you don't intentionally inflict pain and discomfort. That's not what it means to us. Uh, we take it to a, another level. And humane treatment of animals to us means creating an environment in which the animal can express its instinctive behavior. So did you hear that, Stan? They're creating an environment where these animals can live and act like natu- naturally act. Well, the way they were designed from the beginning, because I, I, you don't think about those things. I don't work on a farm, so I'm not educated on these things. Amen. All I know is what I'm told from the commercial advertising as to what food I should go buy and why I should buy it. I don't realize the process before that, that what puts it on the shelf before I buy it. And to hear that there's a whole other process that's been forgotten about. Yeah, there is a process, a very natural process. And Jenny, the fifth generation of this farm, she's going to take over this farm pretty soon. That's the hot one. Remember in the blue jeans oh, yeah, with all yeah, the. Yeah, yeah. Did I tell you? Did I tell you she didn't have the weapons in the truck, but she still had boxes of rounds in this truck. This is one tough chick too, dude. <laughs> so she took me out to the chickens in this truck full of rounds, and showed me the natural living habitat of these chickens. These chickens look like dinosaurs, and honestly, I'm I guess I'm a leg man now because all I kept thinking was, look how strong and sturdy those legs are outside in this habitat. There was completely doors open. I mean, they're running around. There's fenced in area, but this isn't like a chicken house or a chicken coop that you drive by. This is just completely open farmland for these chickens. Running around, scratching, picking up bugs. They give it a little bit of feed, a little bit of grains, but they're mainly getting their food from the ground. Totally natural. What did she have to say? Jenny knew everything, the ins and outs of this farm. She is so excited about what she's doing. She wants to share it with the world. She talked about pesticides. She talked about hormones. And really what really got me was how fast the industrial chickens grow versus her chickens. It's crazy. Check this out. Tell me what type of chickens are these? These chickens are actually a proprietary breed uh, that our hatchery developed for us. Um, We call them the white oak pastures T-Rex reds because they honestly look like little dinosaurs. Uh, These creatures would absolutely survive in nature and they're about as close to a jungle fowl as you can get. Uh, They're a cross between a bunch of different heritage lines uh, and these birds survive well on pasture. We run a very strict protocol in that if you can't survive outside as you would in nature then you can't be here. You know we tried the industrial Cornish cross hens and it was a nightmare. Um, You know those are the white birds that you see uh, you know in chicken houses and we tried those out here and they absolutely didn't last. Uh, You know those birds would actually lay down in front of the feeder cow style not chicken style with their legs out to the side uh, and, and eat and defecate in the same spot and have no motivation to even move uh, uh, from where, you know, from where they had just, you know. So Stan, what's that face you're making, man? You're, you're amazed by that, aren't you? That's disgusting. <laughs> it's so disgusting, bro. And that's the chicken we eat. Every day. Is that massively crazy? That I, we're, we're essentially doing the same thing those chickens were doing. That's right. That's right. You're, we're, we're not doing anything. We're laying there eating, defecating. <laughs> And then dying. That's what we're doing as human beings. Just like those chickens. That's disgusting. It's crazy. That blew my mind when she said that. These white chickens, white hens, these chickens are being bred like that. They have their their weight. Their body can't even support their weight. So they're just just laying there with all these hormones. They're getting shot up and they're being bred to... So if they naturally do that and then you have a location that shoots them up with hormones... That means it's happening at a faster rate and they're turning into a larger sized chicken with double the, the crazy, if you will. That's right. Just double the crazy. When you're shooting hormones and you have these genetically altered chickens that just lay there, it, it's disgusting, dude. Listen to how fast the industrial chickens are grown 
versus hers. You know, something around six weeks, whereas it takes me 12. And, and it's, it's, it's just un, unnatural and unnecessary. Think of what you're getting. Uh, these birds are out exercising. They're regulating their own diet. They're, they're expressing their natural instincts. They're, uh, they're able to be birds. We've bred all the chicken out of the chicken. So we, we're proud to be able to take it back grassroots and, and let the animals uh, kind of develop and grow at their own pace. We bred the chickens out of the chicken. Is that crazy? You know how much steroids it takes from just a personal training point of view to grow twice as fast, six weeks to 12 weeks? Well, I grew at my own pace, but that's why I sought out a trainer to get rid of the exactly. <laughs> what I did. Breeding the human out of the human through fat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're only half a fat now, Stan. Thanks. So after this, we went and we checked out the cows. It was a beautiful pasture. They're not. St- I've seen videos with cows standing knee deep in their own feces and being their legs don't can't even hold their weight anymore. This was beautiful. It was like a farm. It was back when I used to camp and I was a kid and we used to just harass the cows out around and tip them over at night. It was just natural. It was beautiful. Check this out. Why do we have a lot of calves over here? We are actually uh, finishing up our calving season. We are uh, we calf from October to the end of January, with it being the 31st. We are finally done. Uh, so, as my granddad would say, the calves are thick on the ground. Tell me, do you rotate this land out? What makes this free range? Absolutely. Uh, we run a rotational grazing system. It's all art, no science. Uh, with the weather and rain, we, we kind of see what pasture uh, needs to be eaten off and then moved on. So these animals have a 1,000 acres to roam on. Uh, we are the largest certified organic farm in Georgia. This is 100% grass-fed. Uh, we do not use any antibiotics, steroids, or added hormones. Uh, and as far as the organic certification goes for the land, uh, the only fertilizer we use is the eviscer it uh, as uh, from the processing abattoirs, which we'll see later, um, on, on the land. What, what is an eviscerate? Eviscerate is the, the stomach, the trite, the esophagus, the things that you don't sell for meat, the things that are not historically eaten. Uh, we use an anaerobic digester with uh, uses hot, uh, hot water, air, and uh, movement with bacteria to turn those solids into a liquid. We then spread that out on the on the land, and it's a really, really good source of, of organic fertilizer. Yeah, brother, the compost that they have, the organic fertilizer, that's like their black gold. There's tall grass. I mean, it's cold out there, and there's tall grass everywhere. So they have this compost and this black gold that they just use hay and this viscerate, which is basically guts rolled up in a washing machine with water uh-huh. and hot air right. and they put it under this hay mix it up and they make fertilizer out of it. they also grind down the bones they use every piece of this thing this just makes me want to change my eating habits just listening to the difference in the process i mean just that's why we're doing this brother even, so how do i find these people how what, what's the best so way? check it out you can go to trainernick.com i've got a link to white oak pastures on my website go over there you can buy products online and they also have a list of where you can find their products in stores you can buy products online oh, and yeah. in stores that's right in stores and even the chefs in atlanta and other areas are now buying their meats and cooking them in the Directly. restaurants absolutely that's cool the revolution is on the way the way things should be also in exercise let's talk about that functional training movements the body was biomechanically made to do in everyday life we have a life full of sitting on our butts now. Well, when I started the training for the Marine Corps Marathon, I went outside to run. I was like, man, I haven't done this in over 10 years. I ran half a mile and fell over. I was like, your mind no wanted to do it. Your mind could my do mind, it. But, my body but your body was like, what is going on? It's like, what have you been? And I realized that for the past 10 years, I haven't been living the physical lifestyle I should have been living because I was tucked away in a studio. Unfortunately, those things that have made us prosperous uh, are also just tearing us down slowly. So when you first get out there, you need to start 
with neuromuscular facilitation, okay, uh, your body has what's called a kinetic chain. The brain talks to the muscles. The muscles then move the bones or the body at a joint axis, okay? This is the kinetic chain. Everyone has it. No one can get away from it. That's why I say all bodies are the same. You need to start with the basics. What's going on with this kinetic chain? How is Muhammad Ali so fast and Amir Khan and Manny Pacquiao? How can they just see something and be able to move naturally. Neuromuscular facilitation is how they do it. So when you get up and begin these new movements like going to exercise, an injury might might occur and it's due to a breakdown somewhere in the kinetic chain. This is where functional training comes into play. Functional training differs from other forms of training for a few reasons. First, it's not isolated or guided by an outside force. You know, those leg extension machines when you're just sitting on your butt moving your leg. Well, the free weights might be, but when you're sitting in those chairs and and it's moving at one axis and one movement, you know, uh, yeah, the body's made to move that way. It can move that way, but I don't think... Because the way the bars and everything that construct the machines... They're holding your body and and guiding you somewhere. All right, I get that. You got it. You got it. So... I just don't see anywhere in life where you're sitting in a chair and you're, and you're just kicking your leg all day. You know, this is not a functional movement. It's not isolated or guided by an outside force. Also, functional training trains the body to decelerate, stabilize, and, and accelerate in everyday movements. So you got to slow down. you got to stabilize yourself. You're moving up and down and all around, okay? Your body and your joints, everything's mo- working together. And I relate to that because when we were training for the Marine Corps Marathon, we went up on Kennesaw Mountain, and when we were coming down... Uh, we we were we were jogging on the way down, and my momentum. I was going too fast. I almost, <laughs> you about rolled down that hill because <laughs> he was showing me how to use my body. You know, stepping on the rocks the right way, but I, I was way out of control because I was going way too fast because my body wasn't used to that type of functional training. Yeah, you see that in the gym all the time. That's where people get That's hurt. Right. I need to start weight training. I lift. Up, I pick up a weight and I start moving it quickly. The kinetic chain is not used to that yet. You need to teach it what to do. I wanted to do that because Nick moves like. He moves like a deer in the woods, and you look up, and he's gone. <laughs> he's hopping over rocks and boulders, and I wanted to move that same way. My mind was like, you could do that, and guess what? And <laughs> I wasn't ready for that yet. I needed time and patience, and that's not even the worst part. Remember the first time we trained? Tell me. Yeah, I totally remember. I, I, I love the first few times, The man. first Tell time me. we trained, you know, the trainer Nick got word that I was training for the Marine Corps Marathon and that I needed some support, and you, you invited me out to what park was that? That was Soap Creek National Park. And so we get out there. It's about 8 o'clock in the morning. I meet up with him. I'm just gun-ho about this. I'm like, this is cool. And he's just like, you know, take you, go at your own pace. Take your time. What's interesting about training with Trainer Nick, at least from my point of view, is that when you see him take off, you're like, oh, I want to keep up with him. That's exciting. Well, <laughs> after we did some, like, <laughs> stretching. I told you, go at your pace, Dan. Right. That morning, what, what we did first was we started with uh, light calisthenics, stretching, and then we went into a jog. Well, his jog was at first downhill to this little river. And then he turns. And as I'm coming back, I was down, like the fourth one down out of a group of like four. four. <laughs> <laughs> and I get down there and Nick looks at us and he goes, oh, if you could beat me back up to the top, uh, I'll buy you a breakfast sandwich. So we turn around and I, I made it. What was I made it up about halfway, four a quarter of the way up, and I'm like, oh, I don't know how far you made it because I was at the top already. Yeah, you were already there, and I'm tripping on rocks and make <laughs> <laughs> it up there. And he's like, calm down, calm down, calm down. I got my hat in my hand, and I'm just like, walking a circle, walking slow, get your breath back. We, we go back around uh, up to the lake, 
And I come up, I'm following everyone, and and he's like, he looks at me, he's like, you all right? I'm like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) (laughs) uh-uh. He's like, lay down on your back, put your legs up in the air. So I did that, and I'm like, (sighs) and there was this moment where I realized that there's no hope at this point. (laughs) So I get up, I walk over, and I cross this this little trail, and that's where, where it all came out. And yeah, you uh, you uh, puked, man. Just plain and simply, you puked. That wasn't the first time. I think you were chumming the pond a little bit. But at no, the end I of the came dock. back. I came back down, and you're like, "All right, drink." You know, and I started drinking water, and I think I drank it too fast. Yeah, I, I didn't tell you I, to drink water. Well, I went over to the <laughs> I went over to the lake, and I'm knelt down at the lake, just going blah, blah. And so I'm standing over there with my other female clients, and we look over and see Stan. Is hey, what's Stan doing over there? Hey, he's just chumming the pond. <laughs> But the cool part was after I got done, you know, puking, I got up and I finished my training that day too. Yeah, you were pretty tough. You finished training. I mean, uh, that might be a little too rough for some people to get out there and finish it, but I'm a former Marine, so, you know, we puke and we just keep going until uh, the mission is complete. So, yeah, that's how far Stan will go for a breakfast sandwich. So functional training, it also stays within the biomechanical limitations of the body. A person must have a good understanding of both joint and muscle function, okay? This isn't just moving at one joint. It's how the body moves. You need to understand how are these joints made, how are the muscles connected, how are they moving the bones. The last thing functional training requires is more neuromuscular control. I know I keep saying that word. It's a big word. Basically, The more messages your brain needs to send to the muscles in your body, the better your mental adaptation, or what I like to say, or to call, subconscious control of movement will occur. You understand what I'm saying, Stan? Yeah, you don't think about it as much. That's right, It just naturally happens. That's right. That's how how these guys, Manny Pacquiao, they're so fast, Amir Khan, they're so fast, and Muhammad Ali... Repetition, dude. They've been doing it for a long time. Their body just knows what to do. If you see some of these boxers, they get knocked out, and when they're on the ground, they're, they're, but their hands are still up there to guard themselves. Right. That's the same thing I do every time I go to the fridge. Subconscious <laughs> movement straight to the fridge. It's subconscious, man, to go get that. that Stop it, Stan. Stop it! <laughs> now that you have this knowledge and you're ready to attack your goals, this is where you're going to start. The foundation, okay? The foundation of all exercise, what you need to spend most time with before you start any other muscle, you know, power training or getting big or anything like that, you need to start with neuromuscular facilitation. This is where your kinetic chain gets to know each other with high repetitions of two to three minutes of time under tension, low number of sets with short rest periods, concentrating on muscular imbalances through proper form. You know what I'm saying? You still with me, brother? Yeah, I'm with you. So example for workouts, you're not going to go and try and be a hero and grab 10, 15, 20 pounds. You know you're going to want to get better at maybe a bench press, okay? All the guys, like, they just want a big chest, right? All the women, they want to work their butt and the back of their arms, okay? If that's what you want to do, you want to learn the exercise that's going to work that area, but don't go straight into big weights. You want to go to neuromuscular facilitation. Two to three minutes of time under tension. Time under tension is the beginning of the set to the end of the set. That's, two to th- that's a long time, two to three minutes, I think that's longer than you can even talk. Actually, you're doing a pretty good job of that. (laughs) (laughs) So you want to go out there and just don't don't pick up the weights. Learn what the movement is that you need to do to complete that exercise. And do do it with no weight for the first day, first week, okay? It takes two 
to eight weeks for your body to adapt and get used to what you're doing. Do those exercises with little to no weight, two to three minutes time under tension, and do it repeatedly. Just keep practicing. Teach your body that subconscious movement, that neuromuscular facilitation. And then you're saying after a period of time of doing it that way, you start moving up slowly into weight. Absolutely. Then slowly into weight. Yeah, your body has to get used to it. Your joints and ligaments, they're not even used to standing up. And your joints and ligaments stand specifically are not even used to holding your weight. Which is <laughs> which is what we did. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they do. That's why they hurt. But that's exactly what we did with the Marine Corps Marathon training on Kennesaw Mountain was after about a month or two of being out on the mountain, Nick shows up with a backpack full of weights in it. And I was like, who's wearing that? And he's like, you are. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you have to realize that was the water for for all the troops. You were a very important guy once you're carrying the backpack. It's all all perception. You're carrying the water for everybody. So if somebody falls out, you've got the medical kit, you've got the water, you're actually the important guy. You graduated to the backpack stand. I I appreciate that. And I completely understand now. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't understand it that day in the middle of the heat of summer, and uh, <laughs> I During really, the pain. I really didn't understand it at an hour into the training. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to see that video, you can check out that video on Trainer Nick LLC YouTube. You can subscribe there and see Trainer Nick and Stan Fisher training on the mountain, Kennesaw Mountain. It's good stuff. So you want to remember, neuromuscular facilitation is your base for all exercises. Before you start new exercises and new movements, neuromuscular facilitation is your base. That is where you're going to start once you have your plan. Always keep in mind, functional training or functional exercise. You want to do what your body naturally is made to do. I've learned a lot. I grew up with a father who was a bodybuilder, but this was on a whole other platform of training I didn't quite understand. And when we first started training for the Marine Corps Marathon, he was like, I don't want you out there running yet because you're too top heavy. You're going to tear your knees yep. and ankles apart. We got to get the weight off of you. And the functional training helped slim the body down. So I was able to run those longer distances. Oh yeah. Functional training. I mean, that that's not just to slim the body down. Functional training. I mean, you can move into well, weights me, and you can move into power. You can move into power stuff. And that can still be functional training. You can still right. lift heavy weights as functional in functional training. The neuromuscular facilitation, now that is what's going to help you get the weight off. So getting the weight off was your priority then because you had the goal of running this race. So what you have to do as an individual, I'm going to say this. Imagine, plan, practice, achieve, and share. Say that again. Imagine. Imagine. Plan. Plan. Practice. Practice. Achieve. Achieve. And share. And share. That's right. You knew that you you were going to run that Marine Corps Marathon. You had in your mind you were doing this for uh, Lance Corporal Chris Rogers, this mm-hmm. former Marine. You had some serious reasons. You were determined to do this race. You wanted to make a change in your life. This and was helping a, the Fisher House, too. And helping the Fisher House. This was all big goals and very important things to you. Everyone in their imagination has a, a certain goal. Everyone wants to be someone specifically. You just have to ask yourself and imagine who you want to be for you, not for anybody else, but who do you want to be for you? Because that's what's going to make you the most happy. What are your goals and dreams? Even if it seems like too far away, there's no such thing as bad dreams or goals, only an unreasonable time frame. It might take you a little bit longer. Like you said, you have to have some patience. You know, if, you, if your dad was a bodybuilder, he wasn't always a bodybuilder. You know, he, he first he was doing body that. stuff. That's right, man. That's right. So you have to take those steps and neuromuscular facilitation is where you, is where you started for your goals imagination. Like your dad, he had something in his mind that he wanted to become. He had a goal that he, of someone that he wanted to be. So use your imagination. For me, when I get a goal or a dream stuck in my mind, I have a serious determination. I was taught mission accomplishment before troop welfare. I'll die trying to accomplish my goals. That's how determined I am. You don't have to race anyone to your personal goals. You're not in competition with anybody except yourself. 
you're not going to be passionate and determined unless you're working towards something that is a priority for you, something you feel a deep emotion towards. And that was a big lesson we learned during our training for the Marine Corps Marathon as well, because we ran a 5K and there was these high school students that were there and I was standing next to the high school students <laughs> with you and they took off right off the bat. They were They're gone. Fast, and I was with them going, yeah, come on, kids. Well, into the first mile, <laughs> the 3.5 miles, into that first mile, I remember... I remember I started choking. <laughs> Those kids just took off, man. I ran a 5K this morning for the Etowah soccer team. Okay, they had a under 10 group. What were they, seven years old? These kids were seven years old, and they were smoking me. There's some people that just, that's what they do. They just run, you know. You don't have to be in competition with anybody. You have your goals. That's you right. have your dreams in mind. Take your time. You're not in competition with anybody, okay, except yourself. But it's very important that you use your imagination towards something that is important to you, to be somebody that you want to be. So when it starts getting into that heavy, you know, that heavy sweat and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, forget about it. I remember one time on the mountain you were telling me, you know, my legs hurt and this hurts. And and I said, you know what, your legs are hurting, but I bet Lance Corporal Chris Rogers and his family would just love to have legs that are hurting, you know. So that's what kind of turned it for you. You started thinking, you know, this pain is nothing. I realized it wasn't about my me. goals. That's right. You know, it's well, it is about you in a way. Rather. Well, but but in that moment, I had to stop thinking about me and yeah. the pain and realize that there are other people that have sacrificed a lot more and maybe I need to quit being my football <laughs> coach used to say it best stop feeling sorry for yourself yeah this is true stop feeling sorry don't make excuses for yourself don't feel sorry for yourself you're tough man everyone is tough we're, we're the toughest mammals on the planet aren't we on top of the food chain through those moments those those moments if you're working towards a goal that you feel deep and passionate towards that's what's going to get you through those those times that it gets really rough you're just going to remember those dreams and those goals Closing up here on Trainer Nick's first radio podcast with Stan Fisher from the Voice of Steel Productions. We had a field trip to White Oak Pastures and learned what free range, organic, and humane really mean and where we can find healthy food for our families. We talked about what functional training is and to begin your exercise habits with neuromuscular facilitation, high reps of two to three minutes, time under tension, low number of sets two to three sets with short rest periods. And finally, we talked about getting back down to the basics. Imagine, plan, practice, achieve, and share. Imagination. Who do you want to be for you? What are your goals and your dreams? Be passionate and determined towards something that is a priority to you, something you feel a deep emotion towards. I would like to thank the Endangered Species, White Oak Pastures, and Voice of Steel Productions for helping us put everything together today. You can catch a link to find out more about the Endangered Species as well as White Oak Pastures on TrainerNick.com. You can also follow TrainerNick LLC on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I hope we helped shed some light on things today. Hope you learned as much as I did through this experience. And I hope you enjoyed our first show. We'll see you back here next time. Trainer Nick and our radio podcast. Hey.